In the last decade, there have been over 54,000 homicide cases in the United States alone, but only about half of these cases ever resulted in an arrest. This means that there have been about 25,000 unsolved murders in the last decade. For most people, this number is incomprehensibly large. To help you imagine this number, picture a hot dog. Now picture 25,000 hot dogs. Crazy, right? But that's only the beginning. Many people may not realize this, but America is actually much older than a decade. It is, in fact, nearly 25 times older than a decade. Now, you might think the recurrence of the number 25 would be a coincidence, and you would be right, it is. But there are still a lot of unsolved murders throughout U.S. history, and maybe it's time someone finally solved them. My name is Blaze Catherine Raleigh McPherson, and this is Super Dead. PremiumBeat.com Yeah, I, I remember, I think, when she went missing. That was a, it was a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was just the worst thing that's ever happened to this community. We were all completely heartbroken. Yeah, I don't think this community ever really recovered after she disappeared. When I realized <laughs> that I would never see my best friend again, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to cope. I just... I, Oh, yeah, I remember her. No, um, actually, yeah, so I knew her. I knew Abigail. We were, like, best friends in high school. Um, she was so great, yeah. Um, but yeah, have you heard of Pure Romance? Yeah, I remember her. She went missing down there at the creek, I think it was. I think her body washed up on the shore with all them fish holes bitten in her ears. I lost my boy Jimmy Tackles down there. It was a sad day for this community. And then he was like, it just, it was just like the worst moment of my entire life and it was just really bad and then there was like bears and it was just really embarrassing for everybody involved. In all my years as a detective, I've never seen a case so badly handled. Oh yes, I remember when she went missing. Hey hon, I just wanted to see if you were interested in getting that beach body back for the new year, right? Yeah, all you have to do is forward this to five friends, and then you can get a $300 bonus by the end of the month. How's that sound? This is a collect call from the Langton County Police Department. This call will be recorded for security purposes. Hi, have you heard of HelloFresh? Oh, is this about Clara Johnson? I put in multiple reports. She went missing three, maybe four weeks ago, and the police haven't done anything about it yet. Three years ago, I was just like any other mid-twenties American boy, 
living off my parents' extravagant wealth while doing absolutely nothing with my life. But when tragedy struck and my family and their estate were both destroyed in a freak sinkhole accident, I didn't let it get me down. I stuck out my chin, put my best foot forward, and kept soldiering on. Until my bank account went dry. And then I discovered that without my parents' virtually limitless stream of income, I had to actually work for a living. Then I cried. After two weeks, I was finally able to get myself out of bed and start looking for work. But unfortunately, no work history and a bachelor's degree in ceramic design doesn't look very good on a resume. And I struggled to find meaningful employment. I'd never work in service or retail, of course, because I'm white. So without any money to my name and desperate for my next meal, I thought long and hard about what job I could possibly become rich off of without needing a work schedule or any real-world skills. And then it hit me. I would make a podcast. But not just any podcast. No. To restore my previous quality of life, it would have to be the most successful podcast of all time. So I got to work. First, I had to choose a type of podcast. So I looked at the most successful podcasts before mine, and determined that true crime seemed to be the easiest and least offensive topic to choose. Then I began my research. I spent every day of my life, for nearly ten days, listening to true crime podcasts. Like many of you, I found joy in hearing about the brutal, horrific murder of teenagers and women. But I also found joy in thinking about who did the murdering, and in making uneducated guesses based on second-hand knowledge about the case. But eventually, I got to wondering, with all these true crime podcasts, it feels like there aren't any unsolved murder cases left that can't be dragged back into the public eye and picked apart endlessly, only to come to the same conclusions that the original police investigation did. Then it hit me. All of the most famous true crime podcasts are based on cases that are relatively recent. How come nobody has done a podcast on an older crime? One that has been left unsolved for 50, 60, or even 65 years. But what if someone went back even further? What if someone went back to the beginning? What if someone tried to solve the oldest unsolved murder case in American history? And that's how I discovered the murder of Abigail Jefferson. First, we'll start with the facts of the case. Abigail Jefferson, aged 21, the daughter of a poor farmer in rural Massachusetts, and wife to a poor farmer in rural Massachusetts, went missing sometime in April 1784. After a period of time ranging from two days to two months, her husband Franklin reported her missing to the local authorities. The closest town to where the Jeffersons lived was called Langton, the Langton police, led by Sheriff Hart, conducted a thorough investigation, which involved them politely asking the local residents of Langton if anyone had seen Abigail recently. Nobody had. Next, the police began a search for Abigail in the woods surrounding Langton. 
They thought they had found her body when they discovered the partially eaten corpse of a woman who had been rotting in the woods for several days, until one of the deputies recognized the corpse's face and realized that this woman was actually a gypsy that the residents of Langton had chased out of town three days prior. The next day, they found another partially eaten corpse, and this time, they recognized it right away. It was Abigail Jefferson, and she was super dead. Now, the police had the body, but they had a new problem on their hands, too. Who had killed Abigail Jefferson, and why did the bite marks left on her body look suspiciously like those of a bear? Stumped, the police then turned to their only option, asking Abigail's husband, Franklin, if he had killed her. He denied it. Having exhausted all of the leads available to them, Sheriff Hart declared the case unsolvable, and its files were thrown into an 18th century desk, never to be seen again. Until now. I've pored over these documents, all two of them, exhaustively, and I have decided that if I am going to solve this case, I will need to do a boots-on-the-ground investigation of my own, using my extensive history of listening to podcasts as the tools that would surely give me an edge over 18th century policemen. But to really solve this case and not just point fingers at someone, I had to dive into the life of Abigail Jefferson. I had to understand who she was, where she was, what she was, and why she would choose to let herself be kidnapped, murdered, and cannibalized. Possibly not in that order. Abigail Jefferson was, I would imagine, just like any other 21-year-old American woman in 1784. She liked hanging out with friends, going to bars, having brunch, binging Netflix, and sitting around the campfire, staring up at the night sky, and feeling a profound sense of existential dread at imagining the size of the universe and how infinitesimally small and insignificant human life is in comparison. It was perhaps on one such night that young, hopeful, innocent, beautiful, and most importantly, sexy Abigail Jefferson went missing. Or maybe it happened during the day. We don't know. To answer the question of when Abigail disappeared, I decided to begin my investigation by calling the Langton Police Department and speaking directly to Sheriff Hart himself. Hi, you've reached the Langton Police Department. How may I help you today? Hi, my name is Blaze Catherine Raleigh McPherson, and I'm making a true crime documentary podcast about the disappearance and murder of Abigail Jefferson. May I speak with Sheriff Hart? I, uh... I'm sorry, who did you want to speak to? Sheriff Hart, your chief of police. You mean Chief Calloway? Is he the chief of police for the Langton Police Department? Yes, he is. Already, I was being stonewalled by bureaucracy. It looked like I wouldn't be able to talk to Sheriff Hart, but maybe this Chief Calloway could answer some of my questions. Then I'd like to speak with him, yes. Okay, and what was this regarding? I have some questions about the disappearance and murder of Abigail Jefferson. Um... Alright, I'll put him on. Finally, I was getting somewhere. Uh, who is this? My name is Blaze Catherine Raleigh McPherson, and I'm doing a podcast documentary on the disappearance and murder of Abigail Jefferson. 
Can you answer a few questions for me? The disappearance of who? I couldn't believe it. The Langton Police Department had actually forgotten about Abigail. Abigail Jefferson, a 21-year-old, beautiful, blonde woman who went missing and was later found murdered around April of 1784. You mean 1984? No, 1784. Like, 200 years ago. I couldn't believe how dense this man was. The thought that he was actually the chief of a police department made me shudder. Yes, 235 years ago. I don't think I can help you, sir. Well, can you at least give me the contact info for all the people who were ever involved in the case? No, I can't. This simple village yokel was much more stubborn than I had expected. Why not? Do you know who I am? Do you know who my father was? Sir, I, I can't help you because I don't have any of that information. You expect me to believe that your police department doesn't have the contact information for anyone in its own town. We do, we just don't have the information you're looking for. What do you mean? I mean, this case happened in 1784, right? It did, yes. Well, then everyone who would have been involved in this case is now long dead. What? Wait, 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 go back. What did you just say? That I can't help you? Before that. That everyone involved in this case is dead? Yes. Are you sure about that? Are you absolutely positive? I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. If what the chief was telling me was true, then I had a whole new problem to deal with. One which I never could have expected. So you're telling me that everyone, and I mean everyone, who was ever involved in this case, in any capacity, is now dead? Well, yeah, it was 200... So, in other words, you're telling me that this case is cursed. What? No, that's not at all Thank what... you so much, Chief. You've been an enormous help. Wait! I now had a new level of investment in solving the Abigail Jefferson case, because if what Chief Calloway told me was true, and everyone who had ever been involved in Abigail Jefferson's disappearance and murder in 1784 was now dead, then I had a new concern. My own life. If I didn't solve this case, then I would end up just like all of those other poor 18th century investigators dead. And now a word from our sponsors. Don't you just want to get fucked up on weekends? When Friday night rolls around, it's not time to pack up and turn in early. It's time to get packing and turn up. With Liquorbox, you can have all your alcoholic needs delivered straight to your front door. Order as much booze as you want and have it delivered monthly, weekly, or even daily. Don't watch TV, don't feed yourself, don't take care of your kids, just drink. 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 Fill that gaping void in your life with your only constant companion, alcohol. Don't think, just drink. Use the promotional code Abigail's Desiccated Corpse for 3% off your first order. Liquor box. Please drink responsibly.
Not long after my family died and I ran out of money, I was forced to start living on the streets. I was only able to bring with me the essentials. My microphone, my $3,000 laptop, and my can-do attitude. I set up a recording studio in a wet cardboard box and got to work. As I sit now in my combination professional recording studio and home, looking out on the desolate streets of Langton, Massachusetts, I can't help but think about the curse that has plagued the case of Abigail Jefferson, and my own place in it. Would I be doomed to meet the same fate as everyone else involved in the case? Would I die suddenly and violently? Was it too late for me to withdraw myself from the case and live out the rest of my days in peace? But I knew, even as I thought it, that I wouldn't be able to leave this case behind. I was already too deep into it, and Abigail deserved justice. Plus, I still needed to make the most successful podcast of all time. I decided that if I was going to survive this case, I would need to speed up my investigation. Maybe I didn't have the contact information for anyone involved in the case, but I did have the phone numbers and addresses of every resident of Langton, Massachusetts, thanks to a Yellow Pages directory I found in a mass phone book grave outside of town. So I started making cold calls, hoping that someone would have some memory of or connection to the crime. No. 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 No, sorry. Uh, no. Mm, I don't know anything. No. I can't help you with that. No. Mm, I don't think so. No. Who is this? Um, hell no. Mm, no. Please remove my number from your list. If you call me one more time, I'm gonna- Um, I'm kind of in the middle of something. Can you just call back to everything? Leave me alone. No. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, no thanks, no. I can't help you. No. I just told you I'm at a funeral. Stop calling me! After almost two hours of non-stop calling, I wasn't getting anywhere. The wounds of Abigail Jefferson's disappearance were still too fresh for the town of Langton, so I couldn't blame them for not wanting to talk about it. Still, I couldn't help but feel that I was hitting a wall with the case already, and I'd only just begun. How was I possibly going to get to the bottom of Abigail Jefferson's case if every lead, much like Abigail herself, turned up dead? The short answer is, I wasn't. I had to rethink my strategy. I needed some time to myself to go over my options. So I decided to take a walk around the sleepy town of Langton, Massachusetts. In early autumn, you can almost feel the charm in the air of quaint, small-town life. People smile at you as they walk past. Friends and relatives chatter amiably at the local barbershop and saloon. Everyone hitches their horses at the same well-worn post, and stands around with their thumbs in their belt loops, chewing tobacco and enjoying each other's company. The smell of freshly baked apple pies and cinnamon-spiced tea is in the air, as the wind gently carries red and orange and gold leaves down Main Street. It's truly idyllic. But Langton, just like any other town, has its dark side. If you look between the park benches and brightly colored playgrounds, you can find crack whores selling themselves for another hit of that sweet Colombian nectar. Around the corner of the dry goods shop is a group of gangbangers placing bets on chicken fights. Past the smiles of happy couples walking down the sidewalk holding hands are legions of homeless veterans, all wheezing and coughing 
and begging for just a bite to eat as they press hepatitis-laden needles into their arms. Through the beautiful forest of oak and maple and fir trees, you can just barely make out the screams of children being dragged through storm drains by scaly, unknowably alien claws. And if you stop and look very closely, you might just find the true evil that lies at the heart of Langton. The silence surrounding Abigail Jefferson's disappearance. And that was when I realized that if it takes a village to raise a child, then it also takes a village to murder one. Super Dead is made entirely by me entirely. Blaze Catherine Raleigh McPherson. With entirely no help from anyone else at all, under any circumstances whatsoever. Present, past, or future. Music by Oliver Liu and Robert Munir. If you like Super Dead, then please leave a review, like us on Facebook, and visit our website at superdeadpodcast.wixsite.com slash deadaf. Support for Super Dead comes from Liquorbox, Rocket Mortgage, Blue Apron, Carl's Jr., Omaha Steaks, NPR, Audible, Dollar Shave Club, Squarespace, Third Love, Everlane, MeUndies, Brooklinen, Casper, Hunt a Killer, Skillshare, NordVPN, HelloFresh, Crunchyroll, Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Alibaba, Ashley Madison, America's Next Top Model, Nike, Adidas, Coke, Pepsi, Nestle, GoPuff, Postmates, DoorDash, Uber, Smile Direct Club, Red Bull, and the NAACP. Additional support for Super Dead comes from listeners like you. If you'd like to help keep Super Dead alive, then please support us on Patreon. Every dollar helps. Every cent helps, really. I'm living in a box in the middle of fucking nowhere Massachusetts. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm dying of exposure. My stomach is a pit of twisting knots. The few scraps that I do manage to find in a day make me ill more often than not. I've sucked more dicks than I can count. Please, I'm begging you, for the love of God, help me. This has been Super Dead with Blaze Catherine Raleigh McPherson. Until next week, please, stay super alive. Next time on Super Dead. Boy, if you don't get out of my face, I'm gonna go pig wild in here. My God. I have never seen a virus replicate this quickly. Yes, master. Me. <laughs> uh, so this, this is a, uh, this is a grizzly bear. Um, they are the mightiest of bears in the animal kingdom. They are known for being exceptionally cuddly. Run, bear! 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 <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs>